Hallelujah. I know it's been said, but again, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Um, I'm going to let y'all have a seat, and I'm just going to jump in. When I was preparing for today, I'm just going to be real upfront with y'all. I timed myself, and my introduction was 20 minutes. So we're just going to jump right past that and get right into the Word of God. Does that sound okay? You know, lately, um, God's been dealing with my heart. This year's been hard. It's been really hard. I'm just going to fess up. It's been a challenge. And so I feel like God's been trying to get me back on track. And I thought, well, you know, if he's dealing with me on things, maybe he'll deal with you on the same things. Maybe you're struggling with some of the same things that I am. So I'm just going to take a chance and say, I think this is what God is wanting to say to us today. You know, if you know me, you know I like my Google. I like to get information quickly. You know, if I, I need a, a good recipe, if I need an idea for a gift, if I need to know what the latest and greatest is on a celebrity, I just Google it. How many of you do the same? We like that quick information, right? But God's been dealing with me a little bit about with. Do you even know who you're getting your information from? You know, have you ever said, well, I just read this article, and they say, and you spill out this vast amount of knowledge you just learned from they. <laughs> Who's they? You know, I think we can kind of look around at our culture and see that they have kind of misled us in a lot of ways. And it's simply because we don't stop to listen to who we're getting our advice from. So um, since I just jumped in and I didn't pray, I think we need to stop and pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I'm just asking you right now. I'm asking you one of my favorite prayers, and that's to quiet my soul. Lord, quiet my soul so that I might hear your still small voice. I'm asking that for all of us today, that you would speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, slow us down so that we can clearly hear your voice. Speak through my mouth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I'm talking about where we get our information from, and I felt that uneasiness, like, yeah, make sure you're getting it from me instead of just spilling out. So the subject that I've really been dealing with lately has <coughs> been joy. I want more joy. Who wants more joy? Amen. Yeah. Who doesn't want joy? It feels good, right? Um, so I went looking um, at who a good source for information would be, and I thought of uh, the wisest, wisest king that ever lived. Do you know who I'm talking about? The Bible says he was the wisest, most understanding king that ever lived. Solomon, that's right. So I'm like, okay, he's a good source to start with. Now, Solomon, for those of you that may not know, not only was he the wisest and most understanding king, but the guy was like an expert on everything. If you read through the scripture, it says he was an expert like on plants, on animals, on birds. 
He was an expert builder. Um, he built palaces. He built the temple of God. He built a fleet of ships. Um, for one thing, he needed that fleet of ships because he had so much gold and silver, he needed some way to transport it. I mean, the guy had it all, right? And the one thing that really stuck out to me is at a young age, when God anointed him to be king of Israel, um, it said that God was pleased with him. That really got my attention. In fact, that's how he got all of this knowledge and all of this wealth, all of this fame that he had, because people would just come from all over the world to hear what he had to say. The way it happened was one night he was sleeping and God spoke to him in a dream and said, what do you want me to give you? Basically, whatever you want. I mean, yeah, what would you say? You know, it made me think of when I was a kid and we played this game or whatever that we'd say, if you could have any wish that would come true, just one wish, what would it be? Did you guys ever do that? Ask, ask each other that. And of course, the brilliant answer was, well, I would just wish that whatever I wished would come true. Right? Every wish I wished, that would be my wish. And then you look back and you're like, whoo, so glad that wasn't the case because I would have really messed things up. But Solomon, he had that opportunity and what he chose was that God would give him wisdom and understanding so that he could govern the people that God had made him king over, and it pleased God. So this is the guy, when I'm deciding, okay, I want to study how to have more joy in my life, I decided to see what he had to say. Now, Solomon had also wrote many songs, many proverbs. If you've read the book of Proverbs in the Bible, you know, it's just like, brilliant things, one after the other. Uh, he wrote that. That's the Solomon I'm talking about. But later in life, he wrote this book called Ecclesiastes. And I don't know if you've read that one or not, but it's a difficult book to read. Like, it's a downer. You know, by then he had, he had gone through a lot of stuff in life, the good, the ugly, everything. And so he's telling all this and you're kind of like, oh, why did I start reading Ecclesiastes? And you get to chapter 5, and he says this, and just hang with me. We're going somewhere. He says, I've seen a very serious problem. People seem to leave this world no better off than when they came. All their hard work is for nothing. They just live frustrated, discouraged, and angry. Do you know anybody like that? They're always frustrated, discouraged, and angry. But here comes the good part. He says, but I have noticed one really good thing. It is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work during this short life that God has given them. It's a good thing to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. It's indeed a gift from God. That sounds so nice, don't it? Just enjoy your life, enjoy your work. But speaking of being cynical, I had to say when I read this, I'm like, okay, this is Solomon. This is the guy that sets up in a palace, you know, the guy that needs ships to carry all of his money. So, yeah, I kind of see how he could come up with that. Enjoy your life. And it made me think of another guy that we talk quite a bit about here at the bridge. His name is Paul. So Solomon's in the Old Testament. Paul is in the New Testament. 
Paul doesn't live in a palace, if he's ever spending much time in in a palace, it's because he's in the dungeon. You know what I mean? Like, he had a rough life. When he had committed his life to God and started preaching Jesus Christ, he was running for his life all the time. He tells us himself that he, he had to endure many uh, hardships. He, he was cold. He was hungry. He had shipwrecks. He had snakes bite him. I mean, seriously, like as good as Solomon had it, Paul had it the opposite. But yet, he gives us the same kind of advice. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, he tells us, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, and before we go on, I want to jump back to that one word because I think sometimes we're just super guilty of just reading the scripture, you know, just whatever happens, da, 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 da. But whatever happens, what does whatever mean? The good, the bad, the things we like, the things we don't, the things we understand, the things we don't have a clue Those are what he's saying. Whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. And then the next chapter, he says, always, again, always, all the time? No matter what the circumstance, always? Yeah, Paul says, always be full of the joy of the Lord. So it makes me think this Old Testament character, New Testament guy that lives up in a palace, the guy that has nothing but a life of misery or so it seems, they're both telling us we need to have joy. We need to rejoice. We need to enjoy. But why? I love Paul because he just breaks things down, you know? Just in case you don't understand, I feel like that's how Paul's writings are sometimes. And he says, I'll tell you why. In Philippians 3, 1 again, he says this. I'm telling you this because it will safeguard your faith. It will protect your faith. If you can learn to enjoy and rejoice, have joy in the Lord, it will protect your faith. He goes on to say, and it will give you the peace of God, which then will protect your hearts. It will protect your minds. That's the kind of joy I want. Made me think, though, how do you protect your faith? Okay, joy of the Lord will protect your faith. Okay, well, what does that even mean, protect your faith? And this is what my conclusion is. I think it means that you can so much just trust God at, at his word. That you can really, no matter what the circumstance, that you take him for his word. And if he says that all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord, he means it. It doesn't mean you have to like it. You have to understand it, that it's logical to you. That's beside the point. But when your faith is guarded, you know that what God says is true. You can trust him. You don't have to fight it. You can just trust that all things will work for the good because God said it. So we know we need joy. We know why we need joy, but how do we get that joy? That just seems like the logical next question to me. You know, 
Many years ago, we used to sing a lot of courses during worship service, and one of them, the lyrics went like this. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. Anybody remember that song? Oh, this joy I have, the world didn't give it to me. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it. And the world can't take it away. So I've been thinking of all of these joy songs that we used to sing years ago. But this joy that we're talking about today doesn't come from the world, doesn't come from people, doesn't come from your circumstances in life. It only comes from the Lord. You know, when you are filled with God's spirit, you start taking on the characteristics of Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean it's a light switch and immediately you're going to have all of the fruit of the Spirit. You know, you're going to have it all nailed down because it's the beginning of a relationship. It takes time. It takes effort. It's a growing, changing, beautiful thing. We talk, in fact, Devin mentioned last week in his uh, sermon, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit or the characteristics of the Spirit. You could probably say them with me, a Love, joy, peace, patience. But I, I want to, again, not run through it. I want to stick with number two for a minute. Joy. Did you know right in the middle of all that list, a characteristic or a proof or a fruit of the Spirit is joy. So again, going back to Paul, I just love, again, how he breaks things down. But he puts it this way. Okay, and remember when he's writing his letters, he's writing to Christians, to people that have already committed their lives to Jesus. They are believers. And he says this, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let or allow God to transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I can, I can just kind of imagine Paul saying, stop doing what everybody else that hasn't experienced God. Stop acting like them. You're better than that. You've now got the spirit of God in you. So stop copying them. You're not supposed to act like them. You've got the power of God to help train you and mold you. In fact, another way, another way he puts it is capture your thoughts. Again, he uses such vivid words. Capture. Um, excuse my analogy, but this is the only one I could come up with because I'm a very visual person when I sing, when I study the scripture, whatever. I like to get these visual images. And so I came to a Western movie in my head, and I'm not a big Western movie kind of girl, but this is what I came up with. If you see these wild horses just running through the field, you know, with their manes flying, and they're just wild. They're just running. And then you see the cowboy coming with his hat on and his lasso. He grabs one of them. He wrangles them down, and they're fighting and bucking, but he gets it back to the corral, and he starts working with it, starts teaching it. Before long, he can ride it. As transportation, he can use it as a tool maybe in the garden or whatever you do with horses. I feel like that's what Paul is telling us with our minds. Wrangle it in because you know if you don't, 
How many knows where your mind goes in the middle of the night when it's just free, running wild? It's not a good place. And Paul tells us, capture your mind. Capture your mind. And he says, start training your mind, teaching your mind how to obey Christ. Well, how do you know how to obey Christ? By getting into his word. You know, God created us, but he didn't leave us without instructions. I think so many times we've completely forgotten that, especially as a culture. We have been created by the divine hand of God, and he gave us instructions on how to live that life. And so when, when Paul says to obey Christ, train your mind to obey Christ, I think he's saying don't forget. Don't forget your manual, your instructions. Another way he puts it is, okay, if you're having trouble figuring out what I'm trying to say, I feel like Paul says, let me just flat out spell for you what you should be thinking of. You know, And he starts giving us a list. He says, I want you to think of things that are true, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are excellent and praiseworthy. Let me ask you, where are you going to find those kind of things? How are you going to find things to think on that are pure and true? It's right here. It's right in the word of God. Mm. We've got to know what God says to live an overcoming, joyful life. So let's get back to the word. You know, the word itself says God has given it to protect us, to guide us, to show us when we're doing something wrong and then show us how to do it right. We serve a heavenly father that wants nothing but the best for us. And he shows us how to have that. You know, from the beginning of time, it has been the enemy's goal to make you question God's word. He did it to Eve, and look where it got us. You know, we got, um, well, number five grandchild should be here sometime tomorrow. So we're pretty excited. We're pretty blessed. Um, but the two oldest ones, Indy and Lila, are now eight and nine. I woke up the other night thinking, man, they're growing up so fast, and I'm going to start doing Bible studies with them, you know? So we started this Bible study. I went and picked him up, and I had made this game or this quiz just to see what they already know. And they impressed me, I will say, that mom and dad's doing a good job, and the bridge kids, you know, the parishes are, are doing great. All you teachers that teach our kids, they're learning. Um, but we're going to dive a little bit deeper, and we started, and it's fun because who knows if you study the word, it gets, like, addictive, and it's really fun. But the other day, in fact, last Sunday after church, I said, girls, come here. I want to show you something. Like, what, Mimi? What's going on? So we went in this closet back here, and I don't know if you've been in there or not, and my advice is if you haven't been and you don't need to go, don't. Because we're in the process of making it in an office, and right now we've just got a lot of stuff in there. But uh, if you're in there, please turn on the light so you don't get hurt. But I went in there, turned off the light, and I said, girls, stay real still. Don't walk. 
can you see anything? No, Mimi, I don't see anything. I said, okay, well, let me, let me get a light. And I got my phone out and turned the flashlight on, and I put it down on the ground on their feet. And right in front of them, I said, now can you see where you're going? And we started walking. We weren't bumping into anything or tripping over anything because we had the light. So I said, you know, we're talking about studying the Bible and learning the Bible. If you open it pretty much right in the middle, it says that the Bible is a lamp or a light to your feet. This room, the way it feels right now when we turn off the light all dark, stuff in our way, life is going to get to feeling that way sometime for you girls. And I want you to know, turn on the light. Just turn on the light. And God will show you, he will lead you where to go. But you got to turn on the light. <sighs> mm. But how bad do we want joy? How bad do we want the light on? How bad do we want to know how to obey God? You know, the whole reason the enemy tries to confuse us and make us question the word of God and what God says is because he doesn't want us to have that joy. In fact, he really doesn't want us to have any of the promises or any of the plans that Jesus has for our life. The whole purpose Jesus came to this, this earth was to seek and save that which was lost and to give us an abundant life, a rich, a full, a satisfying life, even now. Before we go to heaven, he wants us to enjoy life now, and the enemy don't want us to have that. So he tries to confuse us. So he did it with Eve. He even tried it with Jesus. So why wouldn't he try it with us? But how bad do we want to know God's word? I will tell you how bad Jesus wants it for you. He died for it so that you could experience this kind of life that he has planned for us. But how bad do you want it? Years ago, our youth choir sang a song, Look, it's in there, right in the word of God. Walter was just a young lad, sang one of the verses. That's how long ago it was. But it would list a bunch of the scriptures that we know, you know, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Yeah. You know, we find promises like in uh, Jeremiah that we like to quote, that God says, I have good plans for you. But if you keep reading, he says, I have good plans. And if you pray, I'll hear you. If you seek me, you're going to find me. So, yeah, he'll give you the promise, but what do you have to do to get the promise? It's in here. It's right in the word of God. So, I ask you, how bad do you want it? Those questions that you've been fighting over, trying to figure out, how bad do you want to know the answer? Those marital problems you've been having and you'd like some answers for? Have you looked in the word yet? How about the parenting questions you have or that advice, financial advice you need? Or maybe you're just like me. You just want to know. 
How can I have more joy? I'm going to tell you like I'm telling me. Just look, it's in there. It's all in the word of God. But how bad do you want it? Let's pray together. Oh, sweet Heavenly Father, we love you so much. <laughs> Thank you for your patience with us and for once again reminding us. You've given us the plan. You've given us the answers. You want us to experience peace, joy. <laughs> you want us to know how to obey you. You've already given us the answers. We just have to open up your word. And Lord, you've got us so beautifully set up that maybe we're in a situation that we don't even know where to start reading your word. Maybe it's so overwhelming, we don't even know where to start. Or maybe, maybe we've had experiences that have felt like, man, it's so boring. But God, your word is anything but boring. Thank you for teachers and pastors that we have right here at the bridge, Lord, that you've set us up with that are so willing and so able to help lead us and guide us into your word as we pray and seek after you and study your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just commit our ways to yours, Heavenly Father. And from this day forward, I am asking that you would give us such a desire to want it bad so that we can just grow in you, possess more of the characteristics of you. And in Jesus' name I pray.